everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We are so thankful that you're here. If you've joined us before, welcome back. If it's your first time, we are Brittany Simon and Sharissa Wood, and we are hygienists who are passionate about advancing our profession and collaborating and making our patients' lives, our team's lives, and our lives better and more fulfilling. So we are here today to talk about goal setting and tracking. And so this involves uh, work goals. It involves personal goals. It involves all of our goals in life. Um, And I think it's really important whenever, before we start talking about numbers, especially because it's such a sensitive, touchy topic, we really need to talk about Um, We're going to talk about the numbers today. We're going to talk about how we set um, our production and collection goals for the year. But I have to preface with what Sharissa and I believe to our cores, which is numbers and profitability in hygiene and dentistry and anything are only sustainable and only happen as a side effect of very, very high levels of assessment, true, real, ongoing rapport with our patients, recommending the best treatment first and providing high quality of care. So all of that stuff precedes the numbers every single time, every single time for us, the numbers are the happy side effect. They are not the starting place. So we just want to be uber, uber clear about that because that is definitely our come from. The numbers are not the most important thing. The patients are the most important thing. Our teams are the most important. Our health and our safety is, is very important. The numbers come as a side effect of great planning of high assessment of using our brains and working to the full scope of our licensure. Right. Yep. Um, So I want to start by saying, um, so goal setting, let's talk about goal setting framework. It's really, really important that we don't just set goals emotionally. And I think that a lot of us tend to do this, especially, you know, when it's the first of the year and we're all like, oh, I'm starting over. We're going to go on a diet and we're going to work out every day and we're going to, you know, completely change our lives. And it's like this emotional, you get in this state where you're like worked up and that's, that's great, but that's not what is going to carry us to completing and achieving our goals, right? Because our emotions are going to change right throughout the day and throughout the year and throughout the time that we're supposed to be achieving this goal. So we want to make sure that even if we set it in an emotional state, that there's a framework for it. And it's not just like this, Oh, I hope this will happen kind of thing, you know, because if there isn't, we're going nowhere. You know, if you, if you aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. I don't remember who said that, but it's true. Oh, good, good. Um, so I want to start by saying, um, by giving an acronym that most of you probably already know, but it holds true nonetheless. So it's, the SMART goals acronym. And SMART stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. So anytime we set a goal, we wanna make sure that it adds up in all of those aspects. Um, It's really important that, you know, I think that at ADS and at SDG, that's Bodak and Elena Dunnelsma, we have really um, specific systems already in place for setting goals. Like we have, 
periodic team meetings. Like we have our morning meeting where we set our daily goal, but we have our annual meetings where we set our annual goal for production collections and how we're going to achieve that. And we discuss it very openly. But if your team doesn't already have something like that, I highly, highly recommend um, scheduling time to do that intentionally because the time that you will take to set those goals will will be paid back tenfold. You know, if you have to take a half a day or a couple of hours as a team at the beginning of the year or mid-year to discuss these things, if you do not do that, you won't know if you're meeting your goals. You right. won't be productive because where are you going? Right. What are you aiming for? Right. How do you know? Right. Does the team know? Right. Are you are you working there together? Right. And that's why it's so important to be really specific with what you want. You know, it's, you know, I, I've had people, I've had hygienists tell me before, well, well, I want to make more money this year. Okay. Awesome. That's a great goal. How much more money do you want to make? What would be success for you? What, what goal do you want to set? So it does have to be specific. Um, yeah, that that's absolutely important. And because if it's not specific, there's no way to measure it, which is the the next letter there to measure. Did I really hit that? Um, so they really all, every single aspect of this has to be in place. Um, the next one is attainable, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a lot of people are scared to set goals because what if I, what if I don't make it? What if people make fun of me? What if, you know, people feel like I'm a loser because I didn't do it? You know, what are they, are they going to judge me? So you want those goals to be attainable and achievable. I always say it's gotta, there's gotta be a stretch, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's gotta grow you. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it also, you want it to be realistic and attainable. Um, I'll let you keep going. Thank you. Thank you. And then timely as well. And, you know, on the subject of, you know, people judging our goals and meeting them or not meeting them, you know, that is always going to be the issue, whether we succeed, succeed, quote unquote, um, and reach or exceed our, the goal that we set, or we don't, the people who are judging is it's a then issue. So it's not about you. It's not about me. And the people who are judging are going to judge no matter what. And that's okay. Cause it's right. their issue. Yep. Yep. So, you know, anytime that good things are happening in, in our lives, I feel like there's judgment and anytime bad things are happening, there's judgment and, you know, it's always there. So if we are basing what we are striving for on what other people think, then we're always going to be stuck in a hamster wheel, right? So, so just that out of the way. Um, I would say too, it's really important that the team knows when we are setting goals for production and collections, that it is something that we're aiming for definitely should be a stretch and that there's nothing punitive about not meeting it or exceeding it. Because I think sometimes people, um, connect goal setting with, with punishment, like, Oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't meet it kind of thing. But that's not the point. The point is if we're not focusing on anything, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how we're getting there. We don't know what we want to do. We're purposeless. That feels terrible. Right. Right. You know? Yes. Um, so you know, my framework for setting goals and at Spodak General Group, um, I learned a lot about this when I came on board there. And at first I was super uncomfortable talking about the numbers. I was like, oh my God, I'm a hygienist. Like, I really don't want to get in trouble. And what do I have to do with this? What am I supposed to be producing? Like, what do other hygienists produce? Like, I, I don't know, you know, I know none of this stuff. Um, and as I was mentored and received a lot of kind of direction from the other hygienists, like who had been there for several years or had been doing this a long time, I realized what Sharice and I said before, and that it really is a side effect of just getting your act together, having a great plan, um, you know, getting some standardization and calibration with the team, making sure that you are providing the highest level of care and the numbers will come. They absolutely yeah. will. Yeah. And what I will say is, you know, the first, I think three to four years that I was at Spodak, I didn't meet my goal. 
I didn't, you know, 2018 and 19, I did. And I was like, wow, like, that's amazing. You know, but there was nothing bad that happened and others didn't meet their goals. Some did and some exceeded, but guess what? I don't remember who that was. No one remembers that I did. So it doesn't matter. Like there should, it's so funny how, you know, losing the fear in regards to setting goals and possibly not reaching them is just one of the biggest things. It's like, get out of your own way. Right. Well, and I think too, it's, you know, you and I talk so much about mindset Mm because I believe life is about mindset, but in this regard, you know, what does success really mean to you? And we're going to talk about that in, in another podcast as well, but what does success really look like for you? Because it can't be the numbers are like you said, they're a side effect, but there's more things that come from that than just patient care, like your personal growth and development. Did you learn new skills? Did you get more effective at communicating? Like how did you grow? So working towards those goals, isn't just about the numbers. The numbers are almost kind of like the fun at the end to be like, yeah, I did it. It's what happens along that journey. That really is the fun part of like becoming who you're going to be and taking Mm -hmm. care of those patients. And there's so much more to it than the numbers. The numbers are just kind of like the marker, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like when you're running and you're feeling those endorphins as you're running Certainly. and it's like you hit, you hit that, you know, you cross the tape and it's like, yeah, I did it. And it wasn't about that tape. Yeah. It was about the whole, every step up to that the journey. Yes. Yeah, yes. For sure. And I want to give a really specific um, example of um, how I achieved a really big uh, stretch goal for me in 2019. And that was to um, produce 400,000. So I'm a single book hygienist. I work with a hygiene assistant who also assists about six other hygienists on any given day. So I don't have her dedicated assistance, um, but I do have an extra hand if I need it. So that's a really great resource and a really nice thing. Um, but I do, you know, run my own schedule. I design my schedule according to how I want it to go, you know, and I had to redesign and really rethink things and take a step back and, and really structure things and be intentional about it in order to meet that goal. And at the end of the year, I did, I, I did, I did 405. It was my first year. And that was from the prior year where I did just over 300. And I was, you know, working the same amount of hours, you know, it wasn't, it's a huge jump, but that just, that just goes to show for, for me and for everyone, like what intentionality can do, you know, because what that took was partnering with my admin person, because we're such a large practice, we have specific admin partners that we work with on our schedule. So that goes for the doctors and the hygienists and we partner with them and we have ongoing dialogue with them. Wait, so I just want to clarify this. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that that whoever scheduled your book, they didn't just randomly throw a bunch of profies on all day? No, they sure didn't. How did that work? So it, it worked very well. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> no, it's so at the beginning of the year, Fran and I sat down. Fran is her name. She's kick-ass. Like she is very, very good. She is a great partner to have. I love her. I hope she listens to this podcast just to hear this. Um, but she is awesome. She is so like dedicated to her job and we have just really open conversations about what my expectations are, what we want to reserve specifically for patients. And we did design my schedule together. So in 2019, um, I took very few lunches, but I always found time to eat. And I did not schedule very much outside of working hours. Those were important things to me. I would rather be busy in my lunch be- because I found that, you know, an average day, once in a while here and there, I'd have a cancellation and then I'd have two hours of open time if I had an hour lunch. So I don't, I don't love that. It's not my preference. I would rather find time to eat because my time management. Yeah. My time management is great at this point, at this point in time. Right. So, 
um, I always find time to eat. So that was one thing that I told her, it's okay to book me through lunch. I'm not okay with coming in early or staying late. I, I don't want to do that. So I respected my own time that way and kind of set a parameter. Also, we have um, blocks on my schedule that are 90 minutes to two hours, and those are reserved for fee-for-service new patients or non-surgical periotherapy or whitening, anything with perioprotect, any, any high production procedures. And there's uh, on average one of those per day. Um, but if that wasn't enough, I, so I was scheduled for, for uh, four days a week. I was scheduled Monday through Thursday. And then I added what I call my flex Friday. So flex Friday is completely autonomous booking. Like I can completely book that day. I can take the whole day off. Like I was, I was hired to work four days a week. So this was kind of my, my choice. And because we have the gift of an open operatory or several open operatories on Fridays, because there are fewer providers there, I could take advantage of that. And I decided to start scheduling myself when I wanted to on Fridays. So what that would look like is throughout the week, you know, I would have a new patient. I would, you know, co-diagnose the patient with perio and they need non-surgical periotherapy. I needed to spend a little more time with them, or we, we just needed more time in general to complete whatever the, the therapy was or whatever the patient's chief complaint was. Um, and I didn't have time same day or within the next few months, even, which is common because we are booked out quite a bit, which is a, a gift. It's a great thing, but it's also a challenge. It's also a challenge. Yes. Yeah. So my Fridays would be booked, um, usually the week of, and Fridays would end up being, you know, two to $4,000 days. So it was just all those high production procedures that otherwise would, would have waited months. And ideally with those procedures, like you don't want the patient to wait a long time because they, I think that they forget the value of what you talked about. They forget all the reasons why it was so important. Well, how does it sound to you? Like if you came and saw me today and I was like, oh my gosh, Brittany, you have this, this infection going on in your body and I'm really concerned about it. These are the things we need to do. It's, it's a really big deal. It can affect you systemically. And, and you're going to come back and see me in two months and we'll start taking care of this. Right. Like what? You'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. For two months, I'm just going to walk around with this, this infection. infection. Yeah. So yeah, it's really, really important to pre-block your book for those kinds of procedures. Yes. I mean, you think about it, it's very common to do that in the doctor's columns. You know, you product your, you uh, project your low and moderate and high profitability appointments mm -hmm. and times. A lot of times people don't think about doing that in the hygiene book. And yep. it's really, really important to hit your goals. Cause like I said, if you just schedule six profies in a day, you're not going to hit what you need to hit. Right. So it's really being intentional again yep. with, and, and I love the concept of meeting with your admin team, those people that are answering the phones and scheduling the appointments yep. so that they really have an understanding for what we're going for here yeah. and, and why we have those blocks and, and to really respect those. Yeah. I think that's so important. So important. And that's, you know, just like the SOP for the hygiene team, that's setting them up for success yes. because they know exactly when they're doing their job and when they're doing the best that they can do. And it feels good to know yes. that, you know, yes. to be set up for success like that. So, uh, that was one of the things. And then another thing was I was looking at how many cancellation fees were being written off. And that was a huge problem for us, huge problem. So the cancellation fee, you know, isn't meant to be punitive for our patients either. We do 48 hours, $48, just to make it easy to remember across the board. Um, so if we do not have notice from a patient and we, we start reminding them of their appointments about two weeks, two weeks in advance. So there's a huge window of time when they can call if there are any scheduling issues. And of course we always, it's always at our discretion. If we want to write something off or a patient is sick, of course, right. of course. Right. right? Um, but 
you know, patients who just weren't showing up to their appointment or weren't calling two days in advance would call the day of say, Oh, sorry, I can't make it. I got to go to the beach, you know, like, all right, well, that's a problem because I reserved an hour for you, you know, when I could have had someone else who's been waiting to get in and that's disrespectful that it's not fair to anyone. It's not fair to the the patients who are waiting. It's not fair to me because now I'm sitting around. It's not fair to the practice. So, um, we have a policy that is, um, if the patient fails one appointment, we can write that off. That's not my first go-to though. My first go-to is review our cancellation policy, you know, ask what happened kind of thing and kind of say, okay, you know, I'm happy to adjust this for you, but just know for the future that this is our, our policy and give us at least two days notice, like respect everyone's time. Um, and a great thing that I started doing to make sure that I met my goal too, was when I was booking their next appointments in the operatory, I would remind patients of the cancellation fee and in a, in a kind way say, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and reserve this appointment for you. You know, on Tuesday, September 31st at 2 PM, if you notice any scheduling conflicts ahead of time of this appointment, as we approach that time, please let us know at least two days in advance. We're going to start reminding you about two weeks in advance. So you'll have plenty of time if there are any issues. And I said, it's really, it's really silly to pay a cancellation fee. So just make sure you get it before that 48 hour window. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. You know, and then it's not a punitive thing. I'm not telling them after the fact they've been fully warned, you know, and I tell them, let me know if you need some help rescheduling. So that was one way that I met that goal is because Fran, you know, my admin person was very aware that I wanted to hold people accountable within reason, right? right? Within reason. Um, and also I did that in the operatory. So that was one of the ways that I met that goal. Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 Live Summit, Bulletproof Hygiene Book, and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. The basic framework, though, is um, for reaching any goal, I think it's important to look at history, right? Look at- You got to know where you've been to know mm-hmm. where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think you do have to review. And I, I have actually, this being January, I just finished sitting down with all of our hygiene team individually and kind of reviewing where we were for 2020, everything from production to collections to what perio percentage averaged out to be for the year, yeah. reappointment percentages, and then, um, serve, you know, um, service history, like, you know, the, all the product counts, like how many we had done profies versus perio maintenance versus product to really kind of see how that shook out so that we can look forward and be like, okay, where was I strong? Where was I weak? And, and how do I, where do I go from here to really set myself some goals? Yeah. Because where's the starting point? Where's just like we get baseline diagnostics on all of our patients. We need baseline on our own performance and where our numbers are to know where we're going and what's going to be attainable and what's not. Um, so I looked at history first. So I looked at the prior years and what my collections and production were. And I looked in dental Intel, did my procedure counts and saw how many of each thing I'm doing. And, and, and by the way, that's a great tool too. Um, like you were saying the procedure counts just to see like, what, what am I co-diagnosing? Like, what am I assessing? You know, is this, is this on par with our population's needs? You know, it's a good measuring tool, like to see like, huh, am I missing something? Is something falling through the cracks? Do I need to reevaluate how I'm evaluating? Um, so that's a, that's a good thing. But so reviewing prior stats, I reviewed my past perio percentage, my collections and productions for years before, how many days I was working, how many patients I was seeing a day and just, you know, out of curiosity, looking at all that stuff. Um, and then my goals to reach my 400,000 production goal was I wanted to collect at least 90% and I collected more than 90% of that goal. 
And production and collections, obviously not the same thing. Collections are actually the numbers, actually the money that is paid to the practice. Production is almost monopoly money, right? Because if if that production is not being collected, it doesn't really matter, right? So they have to be pretty darn close. And it, we're an insurance office, so I made it 90% minimum because there are insurance adjustments and write-offs and you know all this, all the things. Ideally, I I would like them to be about 95% or higher. You know, I think that that's a reasonable thing. But I made that my goal. Um, I wanted to increase production per visit. I wanted to increase my production per hour and increase percentage because there was a discrepancy and there actually still is between our um, population. We have an aging and older and retiree population. And so their perio percentage is higher than the general population. And I want to be on par with their needs. So that was one of my goals. Yeah. Um, and in order to achieve that, I had to assess at every visit, like Tracy talked about before, doing a perio chart at every visit, not that CPE, the CPE is once a year when there are major changes, but I started doing perio assessments, even on my profi patients, because things can change in six months. Yes, they can. Um, and then, you know, when I had time getting that flow together to be able to start the same day treatment, a lot of times and get the patient enrolled and the patient, you know, patients are more motivated, I think, to complete something that they've already started. So that's one reason, like they will come back to finish the other half if we've started today kind of thing. And getting them in quickly on those flex Fridays was great because all the information was fresh in their head. They remembered the value and they were like, yes, I need to get this done. They remember that it's an urgent thing. And I showed that and proved it to them by saying, this is so important that I'm going to open a day when I'm not usually here to see you and complete this work for you. You know, so that was one of the, some of the ways that I achieved those goals. Yeah. So um, increasing production per visit, increasing production per hour had to do with bringing on some new products too. So brought on PerioProtect after we visited you in 2018. And that was creating that whole protocol, you know, and really started getting moving in 2019. The doctors had our, started having our backs with that and really supported um, PerioProtect after they started seeing the outcomes, like our patients just really seeing the differences, you know, and, and the patients understanding the value of preventive care and keeping their perio disease arrested. So bringing on a new product, really structuring and partnering with my admin person. And then in regards to the numbers themselves, you know, making a bite-sized breakdown. Right. Because when you start your year and you're like, Ooh, I want to hit 400,000 this year. And you're like, that's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's significant for hygiene. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of those things where it's easy to be like, Ooh, that's a lot. I, I don't, and get overwhelmed and kind of check out. Yeah. So breaking it down into bite-sized pieces, that's how it really seems more feasible. Yep. And, and, you know, those increments are important because then it's not the big picture. You're reaching it incrementally. Yep. And it has to be that way because you're right. It is an overwhelming feat and you're looking at a year long goal, like, holy crap, you know, that's, that's a long time. Um, it's a big goal and it was way outside of my comfort zone, you know? Um, so I had to really let go of ego and fear, like we all do when we're setting our goals, especially publicly. And the great thing at, I think both of our offices is that we announce our goals publicly and that's part of accountability. Like that is a great thing because there's something about saying it out loud to other people, like I'm going to do this. 
Well, and I think too, like, do you know anybody who's ever had like some like physical, like, you know, you know, people that have been CrossFitters or running marathons or those kind of things. And, you know, you get kind of excited, you know, I, you have those patients, I have the patients that come in that come in, they're like, oh, I'm training for a marathon. And yeah. you're like rooting them on. You're like, you can do this. Yeah. This is so awesome. Yeah. It's fun to be kind of a part of that journey. Yeah. And as a team, we get to be part of that journey. Mm-hmm. So if, and it does, it takes that vulnerability and it takes that ego to, you know, to be like, oh gosh, I'm going to step out and say, I'm going to do this and, and worry about everybody like judging you and looking at you in a scary way. But the thing is that team's going to be who helps you achieve those Absolutely. goals. So they've got to know what that is. They've right. got to know how to support you and how to help you. That's the only way you're going to reach that. Yep. And, and achieving that on the accountability and sharing with the team, like part of the goal setting is saying, how can, what support do I need from the team to, to meet this goal? Right. right? And if, and this goes every, in every direction, how can I support you also Correct. to reach your goal? Correct. So some of the things that I asked the team for were, you know, if, if you had a patient in restorative that wanted same day hygiene, let the hygiene team know, you know, if you have a new patient who wants to convert from a limited exam to a comprehensive and an FMX, then let the hygienist know, like we would love to establish for them. If you need a same day perio chart on a new patient, call me over there. You know, even if it's not that I have a a full on opening, if I have 10 minutes, if I have 15, if I have extra time, I'm sitting, you know, doing something. Um, why not? Let me establish same day with those patients because a lot of those converted to those Friday, same week scale, scalings or, right. you know, peri-protect and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, allow me to establish and, um, what were some of the other things? Well, when you're talking about breaking it into bite size, so mm-hmm. what did that look like for you? How did that play out for you? So for me, the big picture goal was 400,000 in production for 2019 and collections. I think that makes it 360 okay. was the minimum collections. Yeah. So I and, I, and I exceeded that. I think I collected around 370, um, but that meant it was 33K, a little over 33K a month. Uh, it was... 8,333 a week. And it was 1667 per day. I think that was based on a five day work week when I was doing that flex day a lot. And I would say I scheduled that flex day, maybe two to three times a month. So it's, it was kind of in between four and five days a month. Um, but yeah, that gave me, you know, a starting point and that gave me a daily goal. And then, Oh, this week I did. And then, Oh, this month I did. And that, like you just said, is that incremental check-in And then also the team is aware. So they're like, Hey, how you doing? You know, can I help you with this? And right. And it keeps you focused on it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're just looking at the big numbers, sometimes it's like, ah, you know, I got 10 more months to go here. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at the smaller, like what I need to hit every day, there's some days you might do double that. And you're like, Ooh, okay. I don't, I don't have to work quite as hard later this week. I mean, it just, it gives you that momentum that you need to keep going forward with. Um, One thing I do want to say as I'm listening to us talk about all of this, um, is, you know, you, I know we hopefully obviously have a lot of hygiene listeners, but I'm hoping we have a few doctor listeners as well, mm-hmm. because what you might be hearing us say is Brittany and I have a lot of autonomy, mm-hmm. um, autonomy and kind of setting our own goals, you know, and obviously this is a point I did want to make. Obviously your goals need to fit into the practice goals. You know, we have a tier system that we set up for, for our practices each month that, you know, we, we hit certain marks and we have certain rewards and that sort of thing, which is awesome. Um, but you want your goals to fit into that practice, you know, paradigm. So 
obviously that has to happen, but then we have the autonomy of how we're going to hit that and what products or, you know, services you brought Perio Protect in. And, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts, that was kind of like eating glass to make that happen. That was a lot of work. Sometimes the docs do make it a little hard coming in and I get it because they're owners and they're like, you know, I I already have so much money going out the door. I don't want to invest. And they want to make sure it's the right thing for the patients too, because ultimately they're responsible. Yes. Yes. It it falls on their shoulders. And I totally get that. But what I hope you're hearing is that sometimes first of all, your hygiene department is not a loss leader. Like right. it can be really, really productive for your it, practice. It is a loss leader if you believe it is and treat it like right. it is. Yeah. Yes. Again, yeah. it's that mindset, what you yeah. think about it, but it has the potential to be so much more. Yeah. So if you're a doc and you're listening, you may want to just kind of take a, a few minutes and think about, you know, the caliber of your hygienist and what they're really capable of if you will empower them mm-hmm. and give them the freedom and the autonomy. I mean, obviously Dr. Spodak gave Brittany the autonomy to say, hey, if you want to come out on your Fridays, mm-hmm. if you're seeing that need and you want to make that happen, yep. do it. Yep. You know, and there, and he didn't put a whole lot of rules or regulations around that. Yeah. And, and it's amazing what people will do on, of their own volition, if yeah. you'll just empower them and encourage them and celebrate them. And so that's probably the last part I would say about this goal thing is when you do hit the mark, celebrate it, celebrate it big, yeah. um, celebrate even if you don't hit it because you grew and you were trying and you were growing. Like, I just think it's super, super important to to be celebratory along the way. Yeah. And I think, you know, on the bite-sized breakdown, that is an opportunity to celebrate those things. And on the flip side, I just want to say, if there's a month when I didn't meet it, it's okay. Like there is nothing going wrong. It's all good. Like things are going to balance out, you know, every single day. I don't see perio patient most days. Yes, I do. You know, on average we do just because of our population, like, right. Um, but if there is no like SRP that comes out of today, that's okay. Like we, if we are assessing people have actual disease and actual problems, we don't have to make it up. It's there. Like if we are doing our jobs to the best of our ability, it will be there. We don't have to worry about not meeting it or, you know, being under this month it's okay. Like it all balances out. It, it's really just for celebrating and knowing right. where we are and on the spectrum of meeting our goals and staying on the right track. Right. Yeah. So I, I want to finish up with just kind of an, some, some tips because you might be listening to this and be like, I never really thought about setting goals for myself. Like, yeah. you know, we have our morning meeting and I know we have these numbers we're supposed to hit and you know, in my practice, it doesn't really matter whether we hit them or not. Nothing's going to change. You know, I, I know that mentality. I've, I've been part of the, those teams before. So um, if you're wondering, okay, I hear all this and it sounds good, but where do I start? One thing I would say is I, I know Brittany and I both really believe that the meat and potatoes of hygiene is perio mm-hmm. treatment. 100%. So I would step back and look at what are your assessment um, standard of operations? Is everybody doing that the same way and, and doing it every time? Um, and really look at your perio percentage yeah. and how, where you're at for that. And if you're not hitting, you know, 35, 40, 45%, which when you look at, you know, the CDC um, stats on, you know, the prevalence of perio, then you, you might, that might be where you start is, yeah. you know, just really being determined that I'm going to raise that perio percentage treatment. And I want to touch on that. Yeah, yeah I do want to touch on that because Sharice is absolutely right. And this goes back to, you know, looking at what the facts and the stats are, what, where is our population? You know, we know that more than 50% of adults of the, over the age of 30 have periodontitis right. and many more have gingivitis, you right. know, they're kind yes. of on their way and, and they both have, you know, a perio disease, a form Correct. of perio disease. And then as the population ages, that number goes up and up and up. And so if you're in an aging population and, you know, 
retirees like I am, and that should, number should be much higher. And, you know, Sharice and I both use dental Intel to kind of track our stats and track our numbers. It's a great measurement tool, kind of keeps us on track. Um, but dental Intel, you know, I remember looking at some benchmarks from 2018 and per dental Intel, um, the, the lowest performing quote unquote, lowest performing offices, um, only treated 3% of their patients for perio, like three, 3%. Are you telling me there's not opportunity there? And it's not even, I'm not even thinking like profitability. I'm thinking like, dude, those patients are walking out the door with untreated disease. Like that is a problem. You know, that is a problem and it's not okay. Like we have an ethical and legal responsibility to tell patients where they are on the spectrum of health. Like that is what we went to school for. We need to tell them. Um, The average offices were treating about 16% of their patients for perio and the highest performing were treating about 33% of their patients for perio kudos to them. And also there's still a discrepancy between that 33% and our population's needs. So I'm just, I'm just saying there is room, like there, there are things that are not clearly are not being assessed. Clearly our patients aren't being, you know, completely diagnosed accurately and adequately. And and it's okay. We're on a curve. We're all learning here. Um, But that's another goal that you can set. And if you have a great resource like dental Intel, use it, you know, that's another thing that at Spodak, and I know that you guys are working on it too. Yes. We did. And that was a huge difference maker for us from 2018 to 2019. We looked at the history. We had historically been uh, about 29, 30% and made a goal of 40%. Um, and now I think our stats are at 49%, you know, so we are almost reaching our, the needs of our population, which makes me like ecstatic, yes. you know, because it's not about just the numbers. It's about like, we are changing people's lives when we are treating their perio. We know that we are minimizing their comorbidities. We are extending their life expectancy and it just makes me thrilled. So that's another exciting part of meeting our goals is like it, it, it always helps our patients. We are, it is always for the good of our patients, our practice ourselves. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a great place to start. Um, if you haven't really thought about it, I encourage you to sit down with your hygiene team, just sit down with your doctor, sit down with yourself and determine where you want to go this year. Who do you want to be as a hygienist? You know, how do you want to treat your patients and where will the numbers take you when you're doing that effectively? So communicate with us, tell us, you know, what goals do you have? How can we, how can we help you with those? How can we help you set them? How can we help you track them? And how can we celebrate with you? We are, we say it every time we are in this together and um, we just really, really, really appreciate this community and all of you as listeners and just continue to encourage you along the way. Yeah. And don't forget, you know, uh, download the app Mighty Networks and search Bulletproof Hygiene. If you really want to connect on a deeper level with us and ask your questions, we are, we can't wait to talk to you there. Bye-bye everybody.